Welcome to another episode of Lonely Town, a killer's podcast with Derek and Jimmy. Today we have a special guest, More Flowers, who is a big killers fan from what I can understand and also a recording artist that we're excited to talk to today and get to know about her story and her history with fandom of the killers. So that's where I wanted to start, if that's okay. More, thanks for, for coming on and talking with us. Thank you for having me. Can you can you tell us about when you first heard the killers or when you first became a fan and how that's evolved over time? It's it's a two-parter because I, I remember the very first time I heard Mr. Brightside. And um, it was in the drive-through of a fast food place out here. And my sister um had just got hot fuss on CD and she was explaining how she first heard it at her like winter formal. And she was explaining it like it was a movie and Mr. Brightside started playing. Um, and she asked her friend, who is this? And um, she got the CD. I heard it for the first time. And I, I remember that very vividly. But it wasn't until I really just went full throttle. And, and it wasn't until probably 2011 um, when really just my relationship with music was becoming something completely new and it was becoming a marriage instead of just a relationship. And um, the video to when you were young came on YouTube and um, that it was all over for me. <laughs> I, I just went through my first breakup as a, as a 16 year old and um, watching that video and, that it really was, I was vulnerable and it really just seeped in and uh, say, you know, made a really big imprint on me. And that was when it was just all over. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, 2011 was when, you know, everything really actually changed for me. <laughs> then you became a victim instead of just a, just a casual fan. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was insane. <laughs> I think back on it now and it was it was such a moment for me because I heard that and I my friend illegally downloaded their whole entire discography for me and sent it over and uh I it it really did it changed my life because a year later I really just dedicated my whole entire life to this little weird journey that I'm on now. And um, every, you know, every moment since then, it's been, you know, me trying to be like them <laughs> in terms of, uh, you know, touring around the world and making really great music, trying to. Um, but yeah, so it's been it's been since then. It really did change my life. <laughs> so was it the song? Was it the video? Was it just the time and the place or, or what do you think was the spark? Oh, gosh, it was it was. um yeah, I think it was everything because, you know, I was just this little heartbroken teenager. And we know that, you know, when you were young isn't about really a, a pretty young man coming to save you. Um, but in that moment, in, in that context, especially watching the video, it was, um, you know, I felt very lonely. And in that moment, listening to that song, I didn't feel so alone because I felt understood. And um, it was uh, just the song just created such a refuge and um i wanted to provide that i think in that moment i i think i knew very instantly that that's what i wanted to provide for people with my music 
and um you know it was happened kind of you know fast very quick that I, w I wasn't the same after that and it like you said it was the the moment it was a song it was the video it was a, a lot of moving parts all at once and um yeah and listening to everything else that they had it it just reiterated everything i was feeling in terms of making music and how i was feeling and what you know it provided for me and what i wanted to provide for people too so were you performing it into music at that point or was that uh, a spot in your life where you decided that was something you wanted to pursue? I've been singing. I tell people I started singing when I learned how to work a VHS player because all on my own, because I would just sit in my room and watch Disney movies and sing to all the songs. But um, and I remember, I think I was 10 when I first sang in front of like the public and we had a karaoke machine in our garage growing up. So it you know, music and singing was, and performing has always been, I mean, since I was very young, very, very important and prominent throughout my life. And I was in musical theater. I was the weird musical theater kid <laughs> growing up. So it's it had always been something I wanted to do. But once the Killers and some other artists kind of really came into the mix, it took the road into something different that I really wanted. Um, I guess into like the rock band road, I guess. <laughs> I wanted to be on Broadway, but I, that didn't stick. <laughs> I wanted to go to college and I just, I I, I didn't, it, it didn't stick for very long. And um, yeah, when the killers came into the mix and I saw this new picture and this new road I could take, um, I went down it. I went sprinting <laughs> and uh, so it's all yeah music and performing has always been around since I can remember my dad was a is, still is a performer um but it again when this came into the mix it changed everything and made it very clear what I wanted so once you decided on that path how did you get started on it how how did that come to pass oh man so I mean again it started when I was 16 and I remember I wrote my first song when I was nine years old and I started playing guitar at 13 and uh, learned piano at 14. And I would like write songs, but they, of course they were awful. <laughs> and, um, so when I started listening to The Killers, I heard songs differently. So, and I knew that writing a song was, you know, something like, I mean, I think when you were young is, is still the most perfect song that's ever been written um I, I started to really take writing songs seriously so that's where it really started and in high school I tried to get a band together and obviously none of them stuck around but it was it was songwriting I remember I wouldn't let myself go to sleep until I wrote a song at least just a verse and a chorus and um I, and again, I really wanted to go to college. So I was in these college prep classes and I was up until two in the morning, you know, studying for whatever I had to. And I was up until four writing songs and listening to Brand Flowers interviews and, <laughs> and other interviews because I didn't know how to start. 
So I, I was trying to seek advice and guidance from people who already been there, done that. And that was kind of a start. I knew that songwriting was something that I had to really perfect. It, it, it took priority over um, performing. I think I didn't really know exactly how to perform outside of like the school play or school musical or anything. Um, so it was just like me and my guitar, my piano, and up until four in the morning, try to learn how to be a songwriter. So that's how the first stage of it was. So what's the process to songwriting? Because you're talking to a couple of guys from Nephi. I don't know about Jimmy. I've never wrote a song. I can barely put together a poem in you know, high school when we had to or something like that. But there's definitely an art form to it. And it seems like different uh, songwriters have different styles. Um, yeah. How do you go about finding your style? And then what's kind of that, that process for you when you're going to sit down and write a song? Because to me, I think if it was a job or something I was going to do, I'd have writer's block and I would never get anything done. Yeah. You know, Brandon said, I don't know if somebody told him, but when he said it, I was like, ah, that's what it is. Um, it's a muscle. So you have to be constantly writing and you have to be constantly keeping that muscle in shape because when inspiration does strike, it's in shape for when you need it and you can just get something out. Um, but as far as, you know, for me, I have my own formula that I really like and it's very common. Um, it's like a verse, a chorus, a second verse, chorus, bridge, outro chorus. And, um, you know, your first verse, you're prepare, you're, you're kind of teeing everything up. You're putting the story together and the chorus, it's got to be big, got to be fun and catchy. And the second verse is bigger than the first one. It's uh, not as big as the chorus. And um, it's just, you know, riffing off of the story that you already have or, um, you know, putting together what you're trying to say, at least. Um I had a songwriting mentor and he uh, he explained it as when you go to a pizza restaurant and you look at the pizza menu, it always starts off with the cheese pizza. And the very last one is always like the meat lovers pizza with everything on it. That's how you want to want to think of a song almost <laughs> is your first verse. It's it's nothing, but it's the, the base of it. And you just keep adding everything in there but it's still a pizza. I don't know. That's, that's a funny way to describe it. That, that's, that's the best way I can. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, as you know, time has gone on. I think I've gotten better at it. And you know, it's like the basic formula, you get four or five chords and you have that uh, mix all those together, uh, have it, you know, the same melody repeat, you know, in the, in the, in the verse, I don't know if it was boring, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I sit down at my piano and I'll ha either have like lines, you know, in my phone or I'll just sit with my book and just everything that I want to say or everything that, you know, how I'm feeling, I'll just write and it'll be like two or three pages of just nonsense. And I think the key to being a really good songwriter is you need to put what would normally take you a page to explain and just two lines <laughs> of a verse and you get better at that. But um, yeah, I mean, I like to find these four chords and to have the, everything that I'm trying to say in this nice little format of a verse, chorus, verse, bridge, and outro chorus. 
and it, it serves me well so far. I mean, I'm not perfect yet, but um, I think that's, yeah, that's, if you ever want to plug something into, the, into that format, it's, it's, it's easy. I don't want to say it's easy. It's hard, but I mean, if you ever want to start off there, there's different ways, of course, but yeah, it's, it's normally me like at two in the morning at my piano, just plugging everything into that. So I, I've heard in your lyrics references to Vegas. How how else has the killer's writing influenced your your writing? You know, it's funny because I'm very embarrassed to say that it was a long time into my love affair with the killers that I really realized that they were from Vegas. <laughs> it was it was it's very embarrassing. But um there are two love affairs that are happening happening separate from each other at the same time that just so happened to go hand in hand. Um, I grew, I grew up going to Vegas again. My dad was a performer and he would perform in Vegas a lot. So, I mean, there would be like weekends or a week even at a time where we would stay in Vegas if he was doing shows and on the drive to Vegas was where my relationship with music started because it would be, a four hour drive from LA to Vegas with, you know, the big, you know, CD, CD book, you know, and um, it was mom and dad were the DJs playing songs from <laughs> this massive like book of CDs. And um, so there's something there to be said about as far as me making music. And that's where I fell in love with music. And I would just be singing in the back seat for four hours straight <laughs> to to these songs that mom and dad were playing. And um, but I always knew it as a kid, you know, going to Vegas. It was like this big, spectacular thing that I knew well enough. You know, it was both familiar and not familiar enough. And then when I got older and I was able to kind of go on my own and experience Vegas as a 21 year old. Uh, it became like a human to me. I think Vegas is a man and this man, I, you know, I'm in a relationship, a romantic relationship with him now. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't, I can't be away too long. I've just, I developed my own outlook on Vegas. And um, again, it, it was, it's embarrassing to say, but I didn't realize that the songs I was listening to while walking down the strip his killer songs were actually about the strip <laughs> and um it's, it's so silly but um I, I don't write about Vegas because of the killers you know it just so happened that you know I went to Vegas and I fell pretty hard for a guy he broke my heart and I had to vent about it somehow <laughs> you know so and I think that is pretty crazy how that happens but I really I just love Vegas I'm crazy about it I, I I love it. I love going as much as, as I can. And um, I love having my favorite band be like the soundtrack to my favorite place, you know, because they were from there. Yeah, your story sounds very similar to uh, Brandon's story. Just reverse the, the fall in love with the guy to fall in love with the girl, getting your heart broken. You're in Vegas. And apparently that's a, a musical recipe. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's again, it's this outrageous place that I can't call home but it's familiar enough to where I can in some sort of way I mean I love it I, I wish it, I mean I miss it so much and it's just the backdrop to the story that I found myself in 
and it's a fun place to write about. I mean, it's colorful, it's dramatic, it's scary, it's gross. Again, it's <laughs> <laughs> again, it's a, it's a man because it it breaks my heart, and I've there's things that I see that again just make me feel sad and heartbroken, and then at the very next moment, I it makes me fall in love with it all over again. Well, it's uh, it's always evolving. It's always changing. That's one thing about about Vegas is there's the old side, the new side, and there's always something developing and new coming up. So, yeah, and there's always something lost too, because it's changing so much. And I think that that stirs something in in a in a person's heart and mind where it's like you can't keep something. You know, you can't keep people. You can't keep a hotel. You can't keep a, a street the same way that you've known it. But then there's play there's parts that you know stay the same, you know, and I just think it's a very romantic place, and um, I just get so I'm just get hit in the face, which is so much inspiration when I'm there, and um, I feel free when I'm there. I think that's you know Vegas's whole thing is you can get yourself into trouble because you're kind of free. There's no judgment, you know. You would never do things that you do in Vegas at home. You know, I'm not a, a, a debaucherous person. I don't get myself into a whole lot of trouble when I'm there. But the feeling that you could is very liberating. And I think um, an artist really needs that because it's uncomfortable. And there's something that, stir that stirs something up inside of you that really just gets those gears going, <laughs> at least for me. <laughs> so how do you go from preparing college prep and, and that, that role that you were telling us you really wanted to go to college? Uh, to the music route, how how does that develop, and uh, when do you decide this is a career and something that you're going to pursue uh, seriously? I failed a class, and it was because I didn't care about it as much as I was caring about writing a good song, or um, going to piano lessons, or finding um, voice lessons. You know, it just was not the priority. And even though I knew that, I still didn't want it to be true. And um, I remember I, I had failed a class. <laughs> I went to the, the bathroom of this, of, of one of the uh, buildings at our school. And I was listening to all these things that I've done. I just told myself, I was like, what are you doing? You know what you want to do. You don't want this. And it, you, it just proved that you didn't. And um, I was like, you need to you know, cut this out. And I dropped all those classes and I went into just normal, regular classes. And I told my mom and dad, I said, I'm going to be, I want a band. I want to get a band together. I want to be a singer in a band. I want to be a rock star. <laughs> and I have the most amazing parents in the world. And they were just like, okay, good. You know, you need to, you need to do this and you need to do that. And we'll, we'll find, you know, we'll help you out with all of that. And um, it was, I wanted to drop out of school. I wanted to drop out of high school and do music full time. I wanted to get my GED and just go to private studies as far as, again, like I wanted to find like how to write a song, um, like a songwriting mentor and just go to boys lessons and dance classes and everything that I felt like I needed to be a performer, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> You know, I had to wait. I had to do it and with the time that I had and then wait until I graduated. And so after I graduated, everything went into full full swing. And um, I went, I found uh, my, uh, my voice coach and then I had a songwriting mentor. He was um, 
he was the manager for like the plain white tees and neon trees and a lot of bigger bands but he um he had this like basically like a 24 7 kind of class where he would teach you how to write a song from start to finish and uh he was available to you whenever you needed him so i could be writing all day every day and just sending him songs whenever they were done and he would critique them and i got a job at a resort here in la a hotel which is also kind of funny it's very reminiscent of brandon's story but um it was not on purpose but uh i would work there and then i would come home and i would write songs and i would send them to this uh this mentor i was working with and um it felt, you know, like another part-time job. And uh, I was playing these gigs on my own. I would just do like acoustic shows around town and like juice bars and coffee shops and my friends' living rooms and backyards. And uh, I wasn't proud of any of anything I was writing. And it didn't, I, I shouldn't be, you know, I thought I shouldn't be feeling this way about what I'm writing and when I'm performing because I would be performing by myself you know by myself on with just me and my acoustic guitar and I would cut songs in half I would like be editing songs because I just wanted it to be over <laughs> and um I knew that I was like this shouldn't be happening this is not how I want my career to go <laughs> and um so I set out to write a whole bunch of new songs and um, luckily, again, this whole thing in Vegas with this guy happened right after I made that decision. <laughs> so everything happens when it's supposed to, I guess. And um, I wrote the, this EP with uh, my friend and uh, it was just in his house. He had like this little tiny weird studio in his room. And um, we made these songs and um, I was very proud of them. I mean, it, I, it was everything that I learned up until this point. This was in 2017. Um, everything that I've known about songwriting was finally like paying off. And um, it was finished. It took about almost a year to write and get, you know, became demos. And um, I took them to my producer. His name is Steve Ornest. And he, I was like, I just need these mixed and mastered go do your thing. And he's like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Everything that I have written and, and made was basically no good as far as like from a production standpoint. So I had to re-record everything over again, which I'm very happy happened because they came out amazing <laughs> compared to what they were like. And I had never been in a, in a studio before. I had no idea of the process, especially that I was making music that sounded like that was supposed to be made by a band, but it was just me. So I, I learned about, you know, session players and um, everything like that. And I got this wonderful EP that's called Sam Rothstein. And um, I learned a lot from that. And I think that's where I started to become really like a, a serious recording artist, I guess, <laughs> was through that experience. And um, not long after, I mean, the pandemic hit after it was released. So I couldn't play any shows. And I played my first show with a, a full band of August of 2021. And um, that's when I think everything started happening for me. And I got a song on K-Rock out here. And I've had a few songs on there. 
and um it's yeah a big uphill battle but it's it's going <laughs> but it's uh I mean I'm thankful for everything that happened the way it has happened so what's it like to hear yourself on the radio for the first time oh I cried <laughs> It, and it sounds different. It's bigger. It's louder when it's on um, on the radio. They edit a lot. You know, they they make it sound completely different than um than how anybody else would hear it. But it was uh, surreal. You know, I think uh you know especially K Rock out here um for most artists is so important and so divisive. And um, I mean even like the first time I ever heard Runaways by the Killers was on K Rock. I would listen to K Rock. Um, before I fell asleep and I would have the radio playing as I slept and I would wake up to it. And I remember, you know, I became a Killers fan in 2011 and the Battle Board came out in 2012. So it was like the first big moment, I guess, with like my new favorite band and then they're releasing new music. And it was so amazing to hear uh, a familiar voice saying new words. And that was all in K-Rock. Um, so I just had like such a wonderful relationship with the radio. It's a very like romantic thing that I have with the radio. And it was just, I was just so proud of myself and I couldn't believe that it was happening. And um, I, I still, I don't get it. I mean, you, I don't think you get over something like that. Yeah. It's a uh, world famous K-Rock. So that's a big deal. That's something yeah. you should be proud of. Oh yeah, no. And um, I'm very, very fortunate and lucky to have the, the DJs in my corner um, at that, at that station. And um, they're, yeah, they're just, they're good. They're good guys over there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it was crazy to hear my songs in the context of, you know, hearing my favorite bands, you know, uh, I can't articulate it still, but I'm just so thankful and blessed that it's happened. So can you tell us about how you came up with your name? Yes. So um, my name is More Flowers and um more isn't my my real name but um it was a a nickname that I had nickname I had growing up with my family was Maury <laughs> and sometimes my older sister would shorten it to just more and um you know so I'm I'm more and flowers is um because of Brandon <laughs> so my name is who I am and who I want to be you know, and I loved that it's, it was kind of like this play on words. Um, sounds like you're saying like, oh, more more flowers, but it's really me and my idol, my hero, my role model. And I, I, I used to go under a different name and it just, it wasn't working. It wasn't good business. It, was, it didn't make any sense. And I wanted like a, like a household name. I wanted it to be a name that I could answer to, like it was me. So I knew that it had to be like a nickname or my name. And then I, I wanted to work flowers into there somehow. And it just hit me like a big lightning bolt when I first and you know thought of it and I wrote it out and I'm like, this is it. And that just happened in 2021 when I when I took on this name. And I was kind of embarrassed to tell people that I essentially named myself after Brandon because they they think it's like from like a celebrity crush kind of sense, which is not the case at all. But um, he like growing up or in like finding my place in I guess like the music world, I didn't 
see anyone like me. You know, I, he, the main reason is he, he's very outspoken about his faith and he, you know, we, everybody knows that, you know, of Brandon's faith. And, um, that's really important to me. And I didn't think I would fit in this world, you know, the whole rock and roll scene. And the only person I knew that didn't really play into that was Brandon. And it was so important for me to know that it's possible and uh, to have, you know, those kind of things that I guess contradict each other, you know, that you can live your life exactly how you want to. I just think he's one of the greatest performers, the greatest songwriters. And, you know, I just studied everything that he's done, you know, and I've tried to apply it to myself until, you know, it takes shape in my own way. And, um, I want to be just like the guy, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so in a way I have, I have it. And it's like, you have to live up to this name, you know, don't, don't dishonor the name. <laughs> so it, it kind of holds me responsible for something. And I just think it sounds great. And um, I love it. And it's very important to me. I'm not embarrassed of it anymore. <laughs> and I, again, I, w- I was very embarrassed about it until I actually heard Travis Scott named himself after his hero. If you guys are familiar with him, <laughs> but um, Scott is actually Kid Cudi's real name, and I was like, "See, like this is just what we do as <laughs> as artists. Is like nobody tells you how to do this. Nobody tell you. There's not like an actual, you know, like a college you can go to learn how to be like your heroes, you know." And it's like, this is what we do. We have to study who we find to be the best so that we can be the best ourselves, you know? And um, I, you know, I drop kicked the shame, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, you know, I started saying it. I was like, there's no use in being shameful about it. If you're going to be ashamed about it, then you, you're in the wrong business, you know? So I'm starting to really, you know, take it on. And I think to how I loved things like music and other things. I've I've kind of been made fun, fun of it. You know, I was made fun of, you know, for being very outspoken about my beliefs, like in high school and, um, you know, being a really big fan of, you know, certain bands and things. And I was, you know, exiled for it by my, by my peers and made fun of and, you know, talked about. And um, I guess it was just my way of reclaiming how I am and what I love and, um, yeah, I'm not ashamed about it anymore. So the one thing that I uh, people assume is that like he's like this celebrity crush that I have. And it's like a weird thing about that. But it's it's definitely not. I think the best way I describe it is like he's he's like the, the big brother I've always wanted. <laughs> I love my sister. I mean, I, she's the best, but I've, I've always wanted a big brother. If I ever had to pick one in the world, it would be it would be Brandon. <laughs> but um, that that's just like the way that I describe it to people. So I I saw and read about on Instagram, you posted about meeting Brandon. Can you tell us about how that happened and the conversation you were able to have with him? Yeah, that was the craziest thing to ever happen to me, and especially with everything like leading up to it. Um, and, you know, taking on the name and coming to terms with how big of an inspiration role model he is and 
it happened in Vegas and uh, which was the, the funnest, I think, you know, thing. And I won't say exactly where it happened just for his own privacy, but um, I looked over my shoulder and I saw him and I stopped breathing and uh, <laughs> he came into where I was and I, I looked over at him again. And I, I, as soon as we locked eyes, I'm pretty sure he knew that I knew exactly who he was. <laughs> and uh, we ended up sitting next to each other for like an hour. We turned to each other and I just went, hi. <laughs> and I introduced myself. And um, he was he was just so generous with his, with his conversation. And I asked him how he was feeling about the tour continuing, continuing into a South America. And he, you know, he told me like, yeah, well, we have 40, 40 shows under our belt, you know? <laughs> and, um, I told him just like how incredible it was to see him, you know, perform with Bruce. And I told him like, I got emotional seeing you up there with him. And, um, he told me like, everything of how that went down and how it almost didn't happen and how it did and it's kind of like you know how they say when you experience a traumatic event you forget it I think it's the same thing with a really great event <laughs> you have spots in your mind because it was so wonderful now he was just you know giving me all sorts of tidbits about tour and how everything would happen with Bruce and I asked him if he had seen the the new Elvis movie yet and how he really liked Austin Butler. You know, he told me only, he'd only seen like the last 30 minutes of it and he really liked Austin Butler. And um, yeah, he was just absolutely wonderful. And uh, he was getting ready to leave and I reached over in my hand to shake his hand. And I said, um, it was really good to meet you. You're my Bruce Springsteen. And uh, he, he and he shook his he shook my hand. He's like, all right, do you want to take a picture or something? <laughs> and we we took that picture, and it was really just absolutely amazing. And I told him to have a safe trip, and um, that I I'll, I'd be seeing him, you know, another another time. But he um, yeah, he was he was so generous with this conversation, and um, he was saying, you know, everybody on tour was kind of getting sick of each other at the end of that first leg <laughs> and um and just how yeah he was just he was so sweet and he was just so wonderful and I'm really happy that I got to say that to him because I had that Bruce Springsteen line kind of locked and loaded for a couple of years <laughs> there uh, there was a moment that I um like during lockdown I don't know if it was God or just like my own hope and optimism that said hey I'm not gonna tell you how or when but you're gonna meet him so you get you better prepare what you want to say to him now and like a weirdo I would just think of all these different scenarios and I knew there was a big possibility if I ever did see him I would maybe just have a split second to tell him what he meant to me and the only way I could really do that was putting it in his perspective. So I always had th that line of like, you, you know, you're my Bruce Springsteen, you're my Morrissey, you're, you know, the killers of my Oasis and New Order. And um, I'm so happy that I got 
to say that to him. And uh, I can't believe that it happened completely at random. I had no idea, especially that it was such a unique way to meet your hero. <laughs> and especially in, in my favorite place and in, in his too, that it was that I got to meet him. And uh, it filled me with just so much gratitude. And it's still this, you know, this light that I, I keep because I mean, doing this, this thing is, is really hard, <laughs> you know, trying to make it to where you see your idols at is almost impossible. And to have something like that happen, meeting Brandon, I'm like, if this could happen, then anything can, you know, it was, it was a result of hope and faith kept honestly. And I'm just, it was the most cosmic thing to ever happen to me. <laughs> When you met, was he aware that you were a singer performer or that you had uh, his last name? No, not when we met. I don't think anyone's told him. I don't. I. I, I don't think anyone had really anybody that I've met as far as that who would know him knew and would tell him. But um, it was really funny. I think. I think he's a little bit of an eavesdropper because I was telling some. I was talking to somebody that was there. And I said, like, oh, I had a show last Saturday. And I saw from the corner of my eye his, like, head whip over. I don't know if that was just, like, my own, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, imagination. But um, maybe he pieced together, I guess, in that split moment that maybe I would, you know, be a performer. But um, it wasn't until after when he left, I, of course, burst into, into tears. Because I just, I couldn't believe that that happened. <laughs> somebody that was there was asking me like oh or like are you a really big fan I'm like oh no let me tell you <laughs> the you know the fan was like I, I I named myself after him I mean he's everything to me the killers are everything to me and um that person that I was talking to knew him and uh sent him my Instagram and my music and uh I doubt he listened to it I really do. But the fact that my music is sitting in his phone somewhere <laughs> is uh, enough for me. <laughs> it, um, it was so that that's uh, that's crazy. And he 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 told Brandon that um, I named my, my band after him. I don't think he knew it was like me or whatever. It doesn't, doesn't matter. But um, and he said that Brandon seemed excited. So um I can't believe it. Sometimes talking about <laughs> I'm like I'm I'm reminded of just how cosmically insane that that is. But he he knows he knows who I am. He knows that I exist. <laughs> and um it was it was wild I, when it happened. Last year was was a, probably the hardest year of my life. So to have have that happen towards the end of the year was absolutely insane and it happened after the whole Bruce Springsteen thing with him happened was was incredible because seeing that was both I was as a fan I was so happy for him and for everybody and in, in the killers and everybody that was up there I was so happy for them and again again I got emotional seeing it but then from this other perspective I was unsettled by it because I was like, well, I want that. I want that moment with Brandon. You know, I want to be on my own tour and have 
Brandon Flowers from the Killers come up and do some killer songs, you know, with me. And I really wanted that. And I thought, I'm a billion light years away from that even being possible. And seeing that everything, all of the work that I would need to do to even get close to that opportunity became very clear and overwhelming. <laughs> And this already long, impossible road that I've been on and that I've seen before me after that moment, it, it just got elongated. And uh, I was, again, just like so overjoyed for them. And it was so inspiring. But again, it was very overwhelming, too. Um, again, I have a lot of hope and faith for for my music. And I'm, I'm, I'm a hard worker. And um, I've, I've dedicated my entire life to this it's everything it's everything to me and um i want that <laughs> i i want that moment with uh i want a moment just like that you know i don't think i've ever seen the full performance because i get overwhelmed by just watching it <laughs> and um but it, it was very important for me to see you know my hero up there with their hero and, um I'm thankful that I got I got to see that and then meet him very shortly after. Did you uh did you get to go to any of the shows from the last tour or have you seen the killers perform live? Uh I think I've seen them 13 or 14 times now. <laughs> and uh I got to tell Brandon that too. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I went to uh the LA show. He's like, Oh, you went you went to the big one? And I was like, Well, was, was there a small one? That I didn't know about uh no um but um it, yeah I went to two out of the three nights at the Cosmo and um the one here in Los Angeles was which was the my favorite show of theirs one of my favorite shows of theirs because I never thought ever I'd see Lindsay Buckingham and Johnny Marr and Dave Koenig all play Mr. Brightside together <laughs> Um, that was just the one of the craziest music moments I think I've ever been able to witness, and I told I told him that too. Like that was that was the craziest thing um, that I've ever seen. But yeah, I lo I liked this tour a lot. I think it was a pretty tough as far as like you know choosing a set list coming out of a pandemic and with two albums. Like they they had a a pretty big job to do on this tour, and I think that. They just been doing so well with it. Is there uh, anything that you've took from them or Brandon performing that you've used in your sets or for your performing of your songs? Oh, yeah, uh, and it's like it's the tiniest thing because, I mean, when you're up there and you can practice, but really, it, you know, performing itself is just a practice. But I mean, even from just like the way. I'll watch videos of, of my performances and they're hard to watch. I noticed, I was like, why does it look so uneventful if I'm just standing? But when Brandon is just standing there singing, it's it's incredible and it's captivating. And I mean, even to the way that he stands and he has like his fist balled up and he's he's standing there, it's like it's 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 everything. And um uh, him just, you know, running around on the stage and you know, I, I dance a little bit more. I don't think I'm a runner. I think I'm a dancer. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, and that's the thing. Like, I take things that he does and 
if, if it doesn't work for me, I find something that does, but it's um, an example that I live by. But I mean, it's right now, what I'm noticing is just how even they look and how they dress, you know, um, I have to bring in all my guys, you know, I, I hire them. So it's not like we're all like coordinated and, and matching outfits because it's really just me and my boys. And, but I noticed, I was like, well, if we have Jake and Robbie and Ted and Tingo, you know, uh, up there and they all are wearing very nice suits and, but Brandon has his own appearance to himself. So that's what I'm working on right now is that having my own outfits and persona and look and then getting my guys their own little look that compliments me so it's things like that that and you know are very important and even with you know how jake and and robbie and everybody their suits you can still see this element of like vegas and desert even just in their blue suits and the same thing with brandon so it's like well how can i convey where i'm from with even just like these little details and uh, it's things like that that I that I take very seriously and that I look at. So, I mean, everything from performing to how they dress to um, how songs kind of flow and fit together. I mean, they're just the blueprint for everything for me. So, I mean, oh, yeah, a lot, a lot as far as in performing, performing live to the best of my ability. Um, I, I take from, I take from them. They're just great role models for that. Well, we want we want to help our listeners be able to to find you and see you. What uh, can you tell us about uh, where they can find you on on social media and upcoming performances you have? Oh, I'm on everything, darling. On Instagram, I'm more flowers music, and um, I'm on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Tidal, YouTube, really anywhere you can listen to music I am on it's more flowers and um I have all, all all my music my full EP and my my singles are out there and they're really good <laughs> so yeah please li listen to them and uh and your latest song on that's been played on K-Rock is that out of sight yes yeah that's my that's my favorite song that I've written <laughs> it's a good one thank you <laughs> and you've got some upcoming performances looks like from your Instagram schedule Yes, so I'm going to Austin. Uh, I'll be playing two shows on March 15th in Austin. One at Cooper's Barbecue in downtown Austin. And then the Austin Beer Garden. It's a brewery. And then I have one out here in LA um, at Brewery West. It's in a little town out here called San Pedro. And um, all ages, it's free. Um, all those shows are free. And um, yeah, please, if you're a Killers fan and you're out in, in those parts please come by i would love to geek out about some killer stuff with you and <laughs> share my stuff well hopefully you make it out our way i think me and jimmy would love to go support and watch you perform i'm more flowers and that's another episode down on lonely town <laughs> <laughs>